Welcome back to the Lit Bay Podcast. I'm your host, Kerwin. I use they, them pronouns, and this is a mostly bookish podcast. Today, we talking about rage. Rage is a noun and a verb. When we're talking about rage as a noun, it means violent and uncontrollable anger. Rage as a verb is feeling or expressing violent, uncontrollable anger. Some synonyms of rage, because we need some synonyms. Animosity, bitterness, exasperation, fury, indignation, irritation, mania, passion, violence, resentment, outburst, infuriated. I also took it upon myself to just create a list of things that we as a collective are probably already infuriated about. So I just made a little list. Don't worry about it. I got it. Just, just This is just a few things we should be infuriated about. It's just like humans on earth. But the list can go on. First thing, inflation, minimum wage, rent prices, the lack of concert and festival etiquette, Lord, racism, homophobia, transphobia, xenophobia, fatphobia, ableism, blocked access to abortion, patriarchy, the fact that we have to buy water, the fact that I have to exchange monies for water, for H2O. Ain't that a bitch? Uh, we have to buy fruits and vegetables. Fruits and vegetables. I have to buy tampons and fucking pads and diva cups when I didn't ask for this. I think periods are beautiful, but I think that the stuff that we use, like our, our products, they should be free. I think they should be free. I think bras should be free too, because I didn't ask for these either. Um, they're, my titties are beautiful. Your titties are beautiful. But bra should be free. Um, let's talk taxes. Tax season. Get it out of here. The Israeli occupation. Free Palestine. We free in Palestine in this motherfucker. Also, you should be infuriated about Cop City. Hello. Because even though right now they're fighting for their lives in Atlanta, Georgia, they're tr- they like that would just be the beginning. They would want to put more Cop Cities in more cities. You feel me? So, you know... Keep your eye on the situation. That's all I'm trying to say. All of the books discussed here today have themes of rage. uh, And they are also very good. So we'll get right into it. The first book I wanted to talk about was Iron Widow by Ziren J. Zhao. This is a blend of like science fiction, fantasy, and historical inspiration set in a world where giant mechas known as chrysalises are piloted by male pilots and powered by female concubines. The story follows Wu, a defiant young woman seeking vengeance of her sister's death. Determined to rewrite her own destiny, she enters into a dangerous political game, challenging societal norms and forging unexpected alliances. As Wu navigates a treacherous path towards power and justice, she discovers her own strength and the true extent of her abilities. With themes of empowerment, revenge, rebellion, uh, this story delivers a thrilling and thought-provoking tale of defiance against oppressive systems. This book was amazing. I think everyone should read it. Wu was so full of rage as she should have been, okay? Uh, This is one of the coolest books I've ever read. And I've talked about this before and how I am tired of reading about the love triangle. And I was like, why can't? Why can't our main character have both? I'm not saying 
that that happens in this book, it might. You have to read it to find out. But I was very pleased. I was very pleased with what was happening. That's all I'll say. And now I'm going to move on. <laughs> Next up, we have All My Rage by Saba Tahir. Lahore, Pakistan. Then, Mizbah is a dreamer and storyteller, newly married to Tafik in an arranged match. After their young life is shaken by tragedy, they come to the United States and open the Clouds Rest Inn Motel, hoping for a new start. Juniper, California, now. Salahuddin and Noor are more than best friends. They are family. Growing up as outcasts in the small desert town of Juniper, California, they understand each other the way no one else does. Until the fight, which destroys their bond with the swift fury of a star exploding. Now, Sal scrambles to run the family motel as his mother, Mizba's health fails and his grieving father loses himself to alcoholism. Noor, meanwhile, walks to herring, uh, walks a harrowing tightrope, harrowing tightrope, working at her wrathful uncle's liquor store while hiding the fact that she's applying to college so that she can escape him and Juniper forever. When Sal's attempts to save the motel spiral out of control, he and Noor must ask themselves what friendship is worth and what it takes to defeat the monsters in their past and the ones in their midst. From one of today's most cherished and best-selling young adult authors comes a breathtaking novel of young love, old regrets, and forgiveness, one that both, one that's both tragic and poignant, poignant in its tender ferocity. This book was absolutely amazing. No matter what, no matter what form you read it in, audiobook, ebook, print, it's gonna hit. You're gonna feel it. This is a very emotional read. It's very sad, um, but it's very good. It's very good. I like the way that they actually handled because this one has themes of like the the justice system, especially like if you are not a white person and you know going through the justice system. How does that affect you? How does that affect your life? What are your choices? Who gets to go down? Who gets to, you know, walk out free? Things like that. It was very good. Um, very good literature. Next up, I want to talk about a book called, oh, a novel, excuse me. Next up, I want to talk about a novel called Homegoing by Yagazi. Homegoing is a sweeping multi-generational epic that traces the descendants of two half-sisters, from 18th century Ghana to modern day America. The novel begins with the sisters contrasting lives. Effia is married off to a British slave trader while Essie is captured and sold into slavery. From there, the narrative unfolds through a series of interconnected short stories, each focusing on a different descendant in successive generations. As the story progresses, um, this novel masterfully explores the legacy of slavery colonialism examining the impact on individuals and families over centuries from the dungeons of cape coast castle to the plantations of the american south from jazz clubs of harlem to the cool mines of oh coal mines my bad they're not cool coal mines of 20th century alabama homegoing homegoing vividly portrays the struggles and triumphs of each generation as they grapple with identity heritage and the enduring effects of historical injustice through richly drawn characters and evocative prose this novel illuminates the interconnected interconnectedness of past and present showing how the choices and actions of ancestors reverberate through the lives of their descendants ultimately 
Homegoing is a profound meditation on the human experience, a poignant exploration of the search for belonging and the resilience of the human spirit in the face of adversity. The next story I want to talk about is I Feed Her to the Beast and the Beast is Me by Jameson Shea. Laura is a perfectionist with an axe to grind. Despite being constantly overlooked in the elite and cutthroat world of the Parisian ballet, she will do anything to prove that a black girl can take center stage. To level the playing field, Laura ventures deep into the depths of the catacombs and strikes a deal with a pulsating river of blood. The primordial power Laura begins, Laura gains, promises influence and adoration. Everything she's dreamed of and worked toward, with retribution on her mind, she surpasses her bitter and privileged peers, leaving broken bodies behind her on her climb to stardom. But even as an undeniable as she is, Laura is not the only monster around, and her vicious desires make her a perfect target for slaughter. As she descends into madness and the mystifying underworld beneath her, she is faced with the ultimate choice. Continue to break herself for scraps of validation from white people, or succumb to the darkness that wants her exactly as she is monstrous heart and all that is if the god killer doesn't catch her first this book was very interesting that is what i will say definitely worth the read i would say that this book is definitely fantasy horror um very dark because she making deals with demons in this motherfucker so very dark but if you're like into it if you want a little something that's a little i don't know a little a little scurry you know, a little a little body horror. This might be the one for you. Okay, so up next, I want to talk about Blood Debts by Terry J. Benton Walker. Thirty years ago, a young woman was murdered. A young woman was murdered. A family was lynched, and New Orleans saw the greatest magical massacre in its history. In the days that followed, a throne was stolen from a queen. On the anniversary of these brutal events, Clement and Christina Trudeau. The 16-year-old twin heirs to the powerful, magical, dethroned family are mourning their father and caring for their sick mother. Until by chance they discover that their mother actually isn't sick. She's cursed. Cursed by someone on the very magic council their family used to rule. Someone who will come for them next. Christina, once a talented and dedicated practitioner of generational magic, has given up on magic for good. An ancient spell is what killed their father, and she thinks that she is the one who casted that spell that killed her father. So she holds a lot of guilt, we will say. Clement, for Clement, magic is his lifeline, a distraction from his anger and pain, even better than the random guys he hooks up with. Ciao. Christina and Clement used to be each other's most trusted confidant and friend. Now they barely speak. But if they have any hope of discovering who is coming after their family, they'll have to find a way to trust each other and their family's magic, all while solving the decades-old murder that sparked the still-rising tensions between the city's magical and non-magical communities. And if they don't succeed, New Orleans may see another massacre, massacre or worse. This book was very good. This book was very very good. I love the themes of having like, I mean, love. I guess for the for this fiction, for this piece of fiction, I thought that it was interesting that they talked a lot about like having magical legislation, like legislation that on magic. 
and how that there were actually people that were against magical legislation or people that were for magical legislation, but they were the people that were like, but we don't need gun control and stuff like that. So there was a lot of really great themes in this book. Also, just when you're reading the book and you're seeing just how like separated not just the twins are, but like the entire family, because the entire family has to come together to do magic, to like defeat who they need to defeat. It was really interesting to see like the amount of secrets everybody had, you know, either to protect people or to gain power or whatever. It was just, this book is very good. I, would you call this a horror? I would say it has horror elements, but I would think that this is a little bit more fantasy. Um, It's definitely dark, um, but it's also very emotional. And um, for for, for a book that's like 415, 416 pages, it's quite fast paced as well. So I thought the pacing was fabulous on this one. Um, and then I just found out that there will be a Blood Dust is just the first book in this in this series. The next one should be coming out in April and it is called Blood Justice and I will be pre-ordering it. The next book I want to talk about is The Last White Man by Mohsin Hamid. One morning, a man wakes up to find himself transformed. Overnight, Anders' skin has turned dark and the reflection in the mirror seems a stranger to him. At first, he shares a secret only with Una, an old friend turned new lover. Soon, reports of similar events begin to surface. Across the land, people are awakening in new incarnations, uncertain how their neighbors, friends, and family will greet them. Some see the transformations as the long-dreaded overturning of the established order that must be resisted to a bitter end. And many, like Anders' father and Una's mother, a sense of profound loss and unease wars with profound love. As the bond between Anders and Una deepens, change takes on a different shading, a chance at a kind of rebirth, an opportunity to see ourselves face-to-face anew. I think... I mean, I, I just finished it yesterday, so it's real fresh. Real fresh. Real, real, real fresh. But it gave you a lot to think about. And it really gives you a lot to think about, especially like when it comes to people who happen to be white and you wake up and you are now a dark-skinned person. How does that change your life? And if you woke up and you were full of rage because you're dark-skinned now, what does that say about you? You know what I'm saying? That's crazy. Um, The Last White Man powerfully uplifts our capacity for empathy and the transcendence over bigotry, fear, and anger it can achieve. So yeah, it's this was a good one. Uh, it's also a short one. It's 180 pages. It was published in 2022. Um, it's fiction. It's kind of dystopian, definitely. Um, it's definitely a literary fiction. Um, it's emotional. They say it's... I could see I could see it being medium-paced. I blew through it because I was like, what's about to happen to these people? But I thought it was very good. I think that is worth a read. For 180 pages, I think it's definitely worth a read. And I would also say that this book is kind of written, even though it's like a literary fiction, I think it's kind of written like... Not as a poem, but more of like a stream of consciousness almost a little bit. It reminded me of, I should say. The last book I want to mention is Open Water by Caleb Azuma Nelson. Two young people meet at a pub in Southeast London. Both are Black British. Both won scholarships to private schools where they struggle to belong. Both are now artists. He's a photographer. She's a dancer. 
trying to make their mark in a city that turns, celebrates, and rejects them. That in that by turn celebrates and rejects them. Tentatively, tenderly, they fall in love. But two people who seem destined to be together can still be torn apart by fear and violence. At once, an achingly beautiful love story and potent insight into race and masculinity. Open Water asks what it means to be a person in a world that sees you, a person in a world that sees you only as a black body. To be vulnerable when you are only respected for strength. To find safety in love, only to lose it. Um, I thought this book was gorgeous. And this book, um, I think you could consider this a literary fiction as well, but this was like written, uh, in my opinion, very poetry-like, poetry-esque. Um, I loved it. I thought that this was a great read. It's only 146 pages. Um, if you see it at your local library, definitely check it out. It's very good. The cover is also very beautiful. Um, I really enjoyed it. And this, while I was reading this book, again, it just reminded me of um, Bell Hooks's Will to Change, Notes on Masculinity, How We Can't Leave Our Men Behind. This was written by a man... Um, a he him respectively and I think this book really drives that home that we can't leave them behind and that they don't always have to be and none of us do no matter what the gender is we don't always have to be strong sometimes we can surrender we can feel it's okay to be emotional and to be emotional is not just to be sad emotional emotion is a very expansive term there's highs and lows, there's neutral there's neutralities, all of that. So I, I I can't recommend this book enough. I think that if you're open to more of an emotional read, I think this is definitely it. An emotional and like shorter read, for sure. I think this would still be considered like medium paced, even though it's only 146 pages, but it's definitely a book that you can like sit and just kind of contemplate on, think on. Um I also loved that Caleb Nelson, the person that bought the person that wrote this book, they they had these moments where they talked about how music uh, accompanied their journey, um, and that's how they actually put Kelsey Lou, who I've I've listened to Kelsey Lou's music before, but I had never listened to her EP Heaven before. And I guess we can just move straight into the music section right now because she's the only person I have to talk about. <laughs> um, Kelsey Liu is a musician. She is, I mean, she's an artist. Kelsey Liu is definitely an artist. She's very talented. Um, the EP Heaven was mentioned in Open Water. And um, I immediately was like, what? How did I not know about this? I listened to Kelsey Lou, but I guess I only listened to Kelsey Lou from like 2019 to present. I didn't listen to her before 2019. So I was like, shame on me, but I'm here now. It's a beautiful EP. It's 30 minutes of just beautiful music. Uh, I would say that this EP is for my embodied movement hotties. This is for the hotties with their own movement practices or practice. You know, some of us got one, some of us have many. It's all right. This is for the girlies and for the, this is for the baddies, all of us collectively across all gender identities, the baddies that are into meditation as a practice, or you just meditate, I don't know, when you remember to. That's fine too. For those whose hearts are open and you're ready to connect, for those who feel emotional, but in a more expansive way, I feel like this EP... I think you should check it out. It's very good. 
Okay, so as far as TV movies, I have only really been focusing my time on one show. Well, I, I guess two shows, but one the one show, but there is a continuous, a continuation of said show, but a different version of it, if that makes sense. So I want to talk about Castlevania. It's on Netflix. It's a great show. Very gory, very bloody, very violent. If you're not into those, you ain't going to enjoy it. It's also like adult animation. It's like a cartoon, but it's not for kids, um, just so you know. So yeah, it's like uh, the story of a woman who is seeking knowledge to help her community, and in her knowledge, in her in her quest for more knowledge, she ends up falling for Dracula. And after helping a bunch of people in the community through like the knowledge she gets from Dracula through medicine, she is accused of being a witch. Um, and then these hooligans from the church burn her at the stake when all she was trying to do is, you know, help her community, help people get better, help people feel better, things like that. All she was doing was trying to do good. And while all this is happening, Dracula was actually traveling. So he wasn't home. He didn't know that his, you know, he didn't know that his wife was uh, being targeted or, you know, hurt in any way. And so when he gets home and he heard about what happened to his partner, he is rightfully upset and full of what? Rage. Um, so at that point, it, he makes it his personal mission to destroy the human race. He said, y'all are scum of the earth. This woman was the most pure person up here. She ain't perfect, but she was, you know, trying to help people, trying to be good. She showed me that humans could be good. And this is what y'all did to her. Y'all called her a witch. All of this. Dracula is full of rage, baby. Full of rage. So it's up to a group of myth, misfits, I'll say. To stop him. And one of those misfits actually happens to be his son. So the plot thickens. That's the drama. That's the tea. I'm not telling you no more about this show. Because at this point, it's either you want to know what's about to happen or you won't. What I will say is that the episodes are 30 minutes and under. There are four seasons in Castlevania. Um, I think most of the seasons are 8 to 10 episodes under 30 minutes. These episodes are concise. They get to the point. We get resolution. Hallelujah. So I love this show. Y'all know I'm always talking about when shows getting to the motherfucking point. Get to the point. You know, tell us the history. Show us the conflict. You know, show, show the people going through the motions and then give us our resolution so I can do something else. You know what I mean? Like I want my TV to be like get to the fucking point. So, Castlevania, in my opinion, does a great job of that. Um, and you you can tell because they have four seasons and I finished all four seasons. Now, did I... I did not rush through all four seasons. It took me a couple months to get through it. But but not because it was bad or anything. I was just like, I want to take my time with this show. Because it's actually really good. So, I just took my time. And, you know, there we go. So, the next show <laughs> is Castlevania Nocturne, <laughs> which is... The show is the same show, different version, I, I, I would guess. This has nothing to do with Dracula, but it still does have much to do with vampires. It's a continuation of the story because we'll see that it's like the descendants of the people from the first Castlevania. It's like their children, right? It's the descendants of them. Now, still dealing with a world where they're trying to like not die by a vampire's hand. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, vampires are still on their bullshit. They're still trying to take over the world. They're still hurting people for no reason. And, you know, they're trying to kill off the human race or, you know, make them enslaved, we'll say. Yeah, so 
either way, it's not looking good for us as humans. Wow. Um, and it's up to our heroes to save the day. That's all I'll say about Castlevania Nocturne. Because um, if, you, if you're not interested in Castlevania, then you ain't going to be interested in Castlevania Nocturne. If you've already watched it, you already know the tea. Um, but if you haven't watched it and I made you a little intrigued, I think you'll, I think you'll enjoy it. But remember, it's very gory, very violent. Uh, it is a adult animation, but it's not for kids. Don't watch this with your four-year-old girl. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's not for them. It's for you. Um, but yeah, that's all I got there. Um, I also, before we get out of here, I want to show, I want to share a few things with y'all. Um, I found another booktuber that I really enjoy. Booktube for the for y'all that don't know are the people on booktube or on YouTube that talk about books. They review books. They recommend books. They show us their book hauls, and it's it's very bookish over there. It's the bookish corner of you YouTube. Um, this booktuber's name is A Sunny Book Nook. That's the name of their channel. Their name is Sunny. They use they and she pronouns. They recommend and review books of all genres with a particular emphasis on lesbian and queer literature, literature, and speculative fiction and women writers. I'm very glad I found them. Um, because I'm, I, now that I have found their channel, I can't get enough. I wanted to recommend two of their videos just to start. So it says, readers and authors, your silence on Palestine speaks volumes. Excellent video. In this video, what I will say is that they go through and just kind of talk about which authors have been a little bit more outspoken about the things happening in Palestine and then which authors have been silent and which authors have shown their ass as full-on Zionists which I think is very helpful, especially when you think about how you want to spend your dollar in the bookish community. Good to know. Good information, good data. Very good. And then the next book is, or the next video that I want to tell you about, also by Sunny, is Palestinian book recommendations, fiction, romance, plays, and poetry. I love that video. Um, a lot of those books that they recommended, I found them on the library app. So I'm going to read them on my phone or listen to the audiobook or something like that. So very excited to get into more Palestinian book recommendations and just kind of, you know, support our peeps, support our people. Uh, remember also, call for a ceasefire. Call your representatives. You know, you know the deal. Um, also, the, I found this other video that I thought was very good because I remember talking about this like a year or two ago on this very podcast. It is uh, The video is called Black Queer Romance is Dead and is by a YouTuber called Emergency, but it's spelled I-M-U-R-G-E-N-C-Y. Um, I love this video because it talks about black queer representation on television, on our streaming platforms, in media in general, and how... A lot of times when we have stories that center black queer people, their partners always seem to be white, uh, which is what I also talked about. And I think you can also kind of see that in, I think it was really, I think it still probably happens, but I think in the thick of like 2021, 2022 is when I was like reading these books and realizing like, you know, I'm not, I'm okay with the swirl. I'm okay with the swirl. I'm not against the swirl. I swirl from time to time myself. But I was going to say, every time we have a black queer protagonist in a story, we don't need a white partner. And if we want to talk interracial, there are so many interracial couplings that 
do not have anything to do with whiteness at all. And I think some of those should be explored more and maybe even put up more mainstream. Where are those stories? Where are they? I need to know. Uh, emergency needs to know too, yes. So that video was very good and it's quite short too. It wasn't very long. I think it was like 10 or 12 minutes. So, and they actually go through like different shows, <sighs> different like streaming shows and things like that. And I was like, damn, I definitely see it. Yeah, and especially it's with some of these like young adult shows that you'll see as well. Yeah, you'll just definitely see that there'd be like a black person with like a white partner and it's like you couldn't find anybody else no one else anyone else no okay cool um but this also brings me to i guess going back to the tv show i watched the show back in like december i think but it was a show called everything now uh it's kind of like a young adult show it's definitely like teen drama but it's very good um, I don't have this in my notes, so bear with me while I try to describe this show to you. I should have did it before, but I forgot. So everything now follows this, follows our character. I forgot her name. <laughs> and this character is someone who suffers from, or no, 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 no. I don't want to say suffers from, experiences disordered eating. And so she went away for like seven or eight months uh, to a hospital where, you know, she stayed overnight and she was uh, monitored and thing like things like that. They were basically hoping to, what do you call it? Like, uh, re, what is that word? Not rehab, rehabilitate her, right? And get her back on a, on a safe, like, eating plan, things like that. But her being gone, she returns back to high school you know, and so things are a little awkward at first with her friends and things like that. She has a friend that didn't come to visit her at all, but that friend also happened to be the person that, like, told her parents about what was going on with her. And so, like, things are tense there. She has another friend that is, like, you know, a person that is very strong, always has things going on, always doing things. You know, she is, and she doesn't allow herself to, like, feel her emotions because she always has to be there for someone else but she isn't always there for herself which is really sad um and there's just like a lot of teen drama-y things that are going on and there's love story love triangle things going on I wouldn't even say love triangle it's just like messy messy love weaving webs of things happening and also we kind of see how the, our main characters disordered eating not only affects them because they're going through it but also their family their siblings specifically there was a whole episode based on like the sibling and how he goes through how he like goes through life and how things have been while she was gone and back to like when she returned and things like that. And people are, people don't really ask him like, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Things like that. So I, everything now, I thought that show was very good. Um, it's, it's definitely very emotional. If you ain't got the bandwidth, I get it. But I was, I, I liked it a lot. I thought the story was very good. Um, okay, back to our scheduled programming though. The next episode, the next booktube video. <laughs> I want to tell y'all about is from our girl Mina Reads. Y'all know I love Mina Reads on BookTube. Um, 10 Spicy Romance Wrecks to Keep You Warm This Winter. I added all of those books um, to my TBR on my uh, library app. If you have a library app, you can do the same. 
Um, a lot of these I had not heard of. And that, what I love about Mina Reads is that she kind of reads all over the place, but she does read a lot of romance as well. And she's always reading books that I've never heard of. <laughs> like, I wouldn't even know about these books if she wouldn't have said it. So I think it's really lovely that she doesn't just read the mainstream stuff. She reads things that are also like independent um, and things a little bit less heard of and things like that. And also like... She also mentions like a like polyamorous like love story in this too. And I was like, yeah, I'm excited about it. So excited about that. And then the last video I want to talk about is from our, our boo Perpetual Pages. Um, their January wrap up for 2024 is very good. I put a lot of those books on my TBR at the library, of course. So, you know. Check them out. These links will be in the show notes if y'all are interested in any of these videos. So don't worry about that. I got you. Um, also, my information, where you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, all of that stuff. Um, how you can get free books, cheap books without using Amazon. I got you. It's all in the show notes. Um, so I just wanted to take this time to say support your local libraries. Get a library card. Utilize said library card. Follow this podcast wherever you listen to it. If you want, you ain't got to. Uh, keep talking about Palestine. Keep demanding for a ceasefire. Keep talking about Stop Cop City. Keep speaking up about the injustices that are important to you. Read more books. Make time for rest because rest does not need to be earned. You get to rest. Um, take care of yourself and I love you. Okay, bye-bye.